We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. everybody welcome inside the guilty as charged podcast my name is steve and i am the host as always and joining me this morning is my guy tyler tyler what's up man how are you doing today uh spring forward's kicking my butt today <laughs> the whole week i was fine you know all good i have to get up and, and go teach but whatever reason today this morning kicked my butt how are you doing steven I'm doing good. You know, daylight savings is an abomination. I am firmly anti-daylight savings. Um, you know, I hate that it gets dark at 4 p.m. in the winter, and I hate that it's pitch black when I wake up in the, in the spring and summer. So, you know, it is what it is. It should uh, not be a thing. I'm jealous. That is the one thing I am jealous of Arizonans for, because they, they do not honor daylight savings. So, I, uh, I'm jealous. <laughs> Did <that>. they not? <laughs> no, it's not a thing in Arizona. And I think every state could theoretically choose to not do it anymore. But hmm. interesting. Either way. Um, quick shout out to uh, our guy LD Bruin and the uh, rest of our European listeners. Uh, you know, big shout out to you guys tuning in. Uh, you know, we uh, kind of spring some early morning shows on you, some late night shows on you. So Anytime we get some uh, European li listeners in here, uh, we definitely appreciate it. Oh, we got Alex in the chat as well. So shout out to Alex. Hope he's doing well. Alex did his first uh, YouTube short yesterday. So if you missed that, go check that out on our channel. He also tweeted it out as well. So um, definitely a, a busy, busy week for the Chargers, busy week for, for us on the show. And we appreciate every, all of you guys uh, tuning in this morning. So we're going to talk about some 
of the latest free agency news uh, from the Chargers and unfortunately from the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and then we'll also um, you know, talk about some potential rumors out there on the line uh, in terms of potential Chargers targets. And then uh, it's Saturday, so we'll take some questions for uh, the back half of the show. Um, Tyler, should we start with the Drew Tranquil news or should we start with the Chargers news? The Drew Tranquil news, I think. Okay. So <laughs> Drew Tranquil, unfortunately, signing a uh, deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a one-year, $3 million deal, base salary. Um, he can earn up to $5 million uh, with some incentives uh, if he you know, plays a certain amount of snaps, I believe, if he, he hits certain statistical avenues. So, um, you know, the Chiefs are uh, honestly – we're already pretty loaded at linebacker. I have already been jealous of their linebacker room because Nick Bolton's a stud. And we both loved Leo Chanel, who they drafted in the second round last year. Um, you know, and uh, now they get to add Drew Tranquil. So uh, Spags, their defensive coordinator, is going to have a lot of fun with uh, Drew Tranquil designing blitz packages, unfortunately. So uh, before we get into some specifics of what exactly happened with the process, Tyler, um, your thoughts here as it pertains to tranquil leaving towards uh to the chiefs i didn't understand who told him this was the best move now granted drew tranquil and his family like they make decisions they could have made it on their own accord but i don't know who looked at him and said this group is the best option for you unless revenge is your only thing in mind but i don't know who he starts over or does he start at all like kaiser white left but he was a starting caliber linebacker who you know ended up going to the eagles and he started for them with the right. chiefs i don't even know what the path is to i mean is leo chanel available i'll take him but like <laughs> who seriously what is the path to starting here I mean, it's he basically took what amounts to a solid rotational but special teams deal um, and and the the group that he's with, he's not starting over Bolton at the very minimum. Yeah, and it's like he has to go compete now to play. It's a bad deal, um, and it's a it's kind of a bad situation. Except for the part that you know, like Melvin Gordon has shown, you can ride it all the way to the Super Bowl, and that's cool. Like maybe that is the ultimate goal. Um, and I guess I wouldn't blame him for that either. But I was definitely surprised. I figured if he went somewhere, it would have been literally anywhere where he could actually start. And then cash in the following season if he didn't get a two-year deal, three-year deal, whatever. Um, but it really looks like he just took either a bad deal or whatever was left. And I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah, I was definitely really surprised when I saw this deal as well. Um, you know, he's definitely not starting over Nick Bolton. I think Nick Bolton's one of the best linebackers in the league. Um, you know, they really like Willie Gay too. Willie Gay's a quality player for them, and they drafted Leo Chanel in the second round last year. So it's it's a puzzling one. I, I think, you know, I have not been able to confirm like the motives of signing there. And I don't know if you have. But to me, if you're like if this is like a spite, the Chargers move. And again, that's pure speculation going around. I, I don't think anybody has been able to confirm that. Um, why would you not go sign with the Raiders? At least with the Raiders, you have a starting opportunity uh, there because they don't really have any linebackers. So um, I just think. This was this was a, a head scratcher for me too, and I I don't understand. You know, there there's it's hard for me to think that there were not better offers out there for him than going to be a, a potential backup 
for the Chiefs because every every team plays nickel so often now that really you're only having two linebackers on the field anyway. And so now you are you are at best linebacker three, in my opinion, for the for the Chiefs. Like I think, you know, Drew Tranquil is a good player and he's somebody that we wanted back, but I'm not starting him over Nick Bolton or Willie Gay at this point. I, I think both of those players are are better players than him and at least more familiar with the defense. So it was confusing for sure. Um, in terms of the process, like, you know, I have not been able to confirm the actual numbers that were offered, but we talked about the show heading into like our free agency, free agency simulations. And we've talked about in the, in the discord channel that the chargers wanted Drew Tranquil back. They wanted to prioritize him in free agency along with Trey Pipkins. And if they were not able to get a deal done, that they were going to pivot pretty quickly to find their potential replacements. And that's what happened, right? Like the, they negotiated with Drew Tranquil. They made an initial offer and an offer that they felt like was fair. Um, again, I have not been able to confirm specifics of what exactly that was. I think you can, you know, make some assumptions about what that kind of offer was, but they made a fair offer similar to how they did with Trey Pipkins. And Drew Tranquil wanted to test the market, which is great. Like, go do your thing. Absolutely. But the Chargers moved on to Eric Kendricks, like, pretty quickly. Like I said, that they wanted to have the right tackle spot and the linebacker one spot solved before Wednesday. They wanted to have that that those answers solved, and they did that. And unfortunately for, for Drew Tranquil, like, that takes money away from you when it comes to the Chargers. Like, sir, sure, you can circle back. But that deal that they offered you is then off the table because that deal went to Eric Kendricks. I I don't know why. Like I don't I don't buy that they ever actually really wanted him back or even offered him. Like I, that is the rumor going around. Like everyone's like got a screenshot of this or a thing about that, and the agent has not come out and said, you know, oh, you know, let me find exactly what he said. He said uh, he told somebody to know your facts before you tweet. Yeah. I don't know. I had never really ever got the sense that he was the a priority. And, and so it's a surprise to hear that, that really there was any like actual fair offer. To me, it would have been like the lowest possible offer. We Which tried. is possible. Yeah. We try, but like go on. But I, I, I really never got the sense that they wanted him. And that's why he's never been a priority for me when we did our any of our simulations or any discussions. Like I get why he'd be back um, if he were back, but like I'm not saying that the information floating around is wrong. I just had never heard that he was a priority or that there was really an offer. Um, although obviously they did end up paying a linebacker, so there was money to be given to the linebacker spot. So again, it's it's all possible. I just never really got the sense that that is actually the case that they wanted him back. To me, I, I thought he was gone from the jump. But if, if I can find something else, cool. Um, but me personally, I, I really just don't think he ever... Like, if you told me... I actually believe he really never got this offer, to be completely honest. Yeah, I, I mean, because I heard at the Combine that the priorities were going to be Pipkins and Tranquil. And that could have changed. You know, uh, Eric Kendricks was re released, um, I think, like 10 days ago at this point, maybe two weeks ago. So maybe that changes maybe that did change things how they wanted to go about offering things you know obviously that we talked about the quincy williams contract um really kind of affecting it maybe that's that's what happened too um 
but I don't know. I, I, I feel like, and I heard that there was at least a priority and at least an initial offer made. Whether or not that was a fair offer to Tranquil is a different thing, but I did hear that the Chargers offered what they thought was a fair contract offer. Do you sort of want to discuss some other teams that were interested, or is that a... Yeah, so I mentioned this in the Discord, um, and just so some kind of context here, like the tampering window really starts Monday, like technically speaking, but but really it starts at the combine. So all of these agents have a ton of resources, they have a ton of connections, right? And everything starts at the combine. And so I, I am assuming that the Tranquil camp felt comfortable after the combine that they would have a good market in free agency, which is ultimately why they decided to test the market. And as of Monday, I was told um, by an agent that does not represent Drew Tranquil that there were at least four other teams outside of the Chargers that were interested in potentially signing Drew Tranquil. And one of those teams that he specifically mentioned was the Dallas Cowboys. And I think a lot of people pegged the New York Giants as a potential fit. Some people uh, pegged the the Bears as a potential fit. I have zero confirmation there. I do know that the Dallas Cowboys were interested in signing Drew Tranquil. But the linebacker market really was kind of a roller coaster this week. And so I think what happened is that Drew Tranquil here and his camp, unfortunately, kind of overplayed their hand a little bit got a little bit too aggressive in the open market and teams pivoted to other options, right? Like Leighton Van Der Esch signed for $4 million a year. And you could argue that he's probably, a, he might be a better, at least a run defender than, than Drew Tranquil. So, you know, I, I think his market just unfortunately dried up really, really quickly this week. All of these teams decided to go sign out, sign $4 million, $6 million linebackers. And there wasn't really a spot left for Drew Tranquil to go get uh, the kind of money that he was hoping for. Yeah, I, regardless of what happened, what the offers were, what the interest was, like, it's, a, it's, I hate to say it because, hey, I'd love millions of dollars, but this <laughs> is certainly in, in the dollars and cents perspective, a complete loss for Drew Tranquil. So again, not even assured a starting gig, which is, which stinks because you're heading into free agency next year as a guy yeah. who clearly didn't have a big market as is not as much like, so it, it's three or three and a half base. It's three base up to $5 million for with incentives. Yeah. I mean, it's almost identical to Kaiser White's last year. I, I don't know what it is about these last two linebackers. Like they should have, I don't know if it's a day three bias sort of thing, a converted safety thing, a, you know, a, well, the Chargers defense wasn't good thing. So maybe bad asset sort of thing, but, but both those guys should have got more. Thankfully it did work out for Kaiser White. I think it was a two years, $11 million for Arizona. Yep. Although I think that deal is not going to make it to year two. We'll talk about that later. But, <laughs> you know, I, I think that Drew should have gotten more. He didn't. And that's a real bummer for for him. And I guess a shame on the agency, I suppose. I, I would I would love to know Doug Hendrickson of Wasserman Sports. Yeah. Um, what happened? I'll never know from him, but I would love to know. Yeah, there's just there's no way I am gonna believe that this was his best opportunity and his best no contract shot. offer. So, um, you know, it's it's unfortunate. You know, Drew, Drew Tranquil is, you know, a, a really quality player in my opinion. I think he's a kind of player that you really tend to build around, right? Like other teams don't let players like Drew Tranquil walk, and I understand why you want to pivot to Eric Hendricks. I totally get it. Eric Hendricks doesn't count against the comp pick formula. He's a quality run defender. 
leadership, veteran, all of that stuff is great. But I just I I still would rather have Drew Tranquil on a similar deal. So um, it is what it is. Any other thoughts here about uh, Drew Tranquil, Tyler? I hope he sucks twice a year. <laughs> he could play good the other 15 games yeah, for that's sure. Fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and not if they play each other again in the playoffs. But, yeah, you know, revenge games are a very real thing. So we'll see what happens there. Um, in other news, the Chargers did bring back Donald Parham and J.K. Scott this week. Um, J.K. Scott getting a, a pretty nice raise after signing for the minimum last year with the Chargers. Um, Ryan Ficken gets to keep his guy. You know, he was handpicked by Ficken essentially last year to come in and and uh, build his punting game around. And the Chargers had, you know, a great punting unit in terms of DVOA, in terms of fair catches, hang times, everything. So um, J.K. Scott coming back on a two-year, $4 million deal. So, uh, you know, a nice raise for him. Um, and then Donald Parham signs a two-year, um, what was the actual, the two-year $2.65 million deal with upside, according to Ian Rappaport. So, um, you know, we I had heard uh, heading into the week that there was interest in signing a new deal with Donald Parham, and uh, they get that deal done. So um, checking uh, some both boxes uh, from our end, you know, hearing that J.K. Scott was, was kind of a no-brainer, and so was uh, Donald Parham. So... Tyler, any thoughts here on uh, Donald Parham and J.K. Scott's deals? Uh, J.K. Scott, great. It wouldn't have mattered who the punter was, like I said, when he signed. Uh, I don't care. Uh, whoever Ryan Ficken fields out there, whoever he wants is cool with me. You have complete trust. <laughs> so if that's, you know, again, if that's having a long snapper last year, reset the market, cool. Whoever the new, re- the new returner is, or I guess if it's Carter, cool. If it's J.K. Scott, cool, and it is. If it ends up being Dicker over Hopkins, fine. Like, Whatever Ryan Ficken wants, I'm cool with. And this worked. I believe the EPA per play isn't super great for J.K. Scott yeah. as a punter. But Eric Smith, the Chargers writer, kind of wrote this in a quick little tweet. Like, don't just look at those numbers and assume. Like, I feel like, to me, J.K. Scott had a very specific role in a specific way he was asked to yeah. punt the football for the Chargers. And again, it worked like in the DVOA, it shows up positively, significantly better than it has been. So, you know, whatever the hang time says or EPA per play, like, of course, I'd want those things all to be great. And I believe the hang time was really solid. Um, distance, not so much, but it worked for the Chargers in their special teams unit that uh, last year. So I'm cool with it moving forward through several different kickers with Scott as the holder. He was a constant, obviously. That was no problem there. I think that is also very meaningful. So I'm cool with that. Donald Parham being back a uh, good because I started off the week seeming like I was going over three on dudes returning or whatever, <laughs> or I guess one for two or over two. Um, so Donald Parham, you know, I, I actually thought that they would circle back to this because Donald Parham respectfully does not strike me as someone who has like, Oh, wow. There's so many teams around the league. Huge market. Someone, yeah. Right. And, and certainly not for a large price. Like I'm sure every team would want to have a Donald Parham, but no one's going to offer like well, $3 million a year. Um, so I figured they would circle back. Had heard there was a small, small chance that he would be back. But then he started, you know, they started to show some interest on, again, on Twitter, uh, you know, from reporters from, I think, the Browns and some other team. Um, so I figured, okay, maybe like, maybe he will be gone, but he's back. Uh, I'm curious to see what the deal looks like. Again, all these two-year deals, it's a one-year deal and we'll figure it out next year because we're probably cutting you anyway. So, but I'm happy he's back. Because on Monday or Sunday, no, Monday, 
you know, I, we didn't know, like, was Pipkins going to be back? I thought so, but we didn't know yet. Yeah. Like, Parham was, you know, extension talks kind of fell through. And then Oster and Eckler wanted a trade. So it's like, okay, your best running back, your right tackle, your best blocking tight end, all want to either leave or get new deals, or maybe you didn't brought them back yet. And so I was really worried about this run game going forward because that's a lot of little things to replace and have to hit on in both free agency and the draft. But you get Pipkins back, yay. Your best blocking tight end is back, yay. Eckler, Eckler is still on the team. Um, but I'm happy. Yeah. This works for me. Good deals. Yeah, and I think uh, the running back market tanking, probably also a yay there in that yeah. same vein. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of Donald Parham, you know, I, I think this is a really solid deal. I think it gives them some flexibility. Um, <laughs> I was bummed. I, I, you know, we had we had heard that they were interested in getting a new extension done. And, you know, I had a tweet in the drafts ready to go. And then Jeremy Fowler is like, no, they're not. He's he's testing the market. It's like, ah, shit. Like, this is <laughs> he's not coming back. <laughs> Um, and then Alex Katzen from Chargers Wire, who we we were we work with as well, um, said that the Browns were very interested, and that was backed up by some uh, Browns beat reporters as well. Mm. Um, the Patriots were supposedly interested, and so were the Bills too, apparently. So um, it sounded like the Browns were kind of the most the most interested team, and then uh, just kind of out of nowhere, it circled back that he was coming back. So I think this gives the Chargers some short term flexibility, like we talked about on sunday during our simulation like if he had not come back you know you only have trey mckitty on the roster for next year and presumably like a draft pick because joe there a free agent this year don Palmer will be leaving in this situation so now theoretically you can head into next year with donald parham under contract trey mckitty under contract and and i still think the rookie is is the most likely option there's a certain free agent out there that, that we'll get to here in a second that a lot of people still think the Chargers will be interested in but for now, you have that flexibility if you want to keep Donald Parham around next year. I can't imagine he has a super big cap hit. I think uh, Daniel Popper is estimating pretty much like 1.5 for this year and 1.5 for next year kind of thing. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But all in all, I think this gives the Chargers a lot of flexibility on offense. And and for J.K. Scott, like there was some grumbling from fans that his yards per punt average wasn't necessarily all that great. And I think it's important to remember, like what you're saying, like the Chargers had a very specific game plan around J.K. Scott that they weren't necessarily looking to flip the field as often as we see some teams who will just have their punters just booted down the field. You know, they were really trying to get hang time and force fair catches. And if they were not going to have fair catches, they were going to try and do what they did against the Broncos and force some muffed punts. So that was a very specific strategy. You know, if you look at what J.K. Scott's yards per average punt in green bay was it was pretty i, I want to say it was like four or five yards higher than mm-hmm. what it was last year with the chargers but he was second in the league this past year in hang time average so ryan ficken and company had a very clear plan how to utilize him and i think they did a great job with that and i think that does matter in terms of evaluating him so yeah the epa per play doesn't look that great but i mean the dvi is what i care about man like i, <laughs> I care about not having a bottom mm-hmm. five special teams unit and if Ryan Ficken has a very specific plan to accomplish that goal, then he can do, like you said, he can do whatever he wants. He can sign whoever he wants. And he likes J.K. Scott, and he likes what his uh, his role is and his ability to execute that role is. Yep, it was a perfect synergy between the punter and the the gunners. I mean, he hit, I forget who the returner is for the Broncos, but he hit him, hit him in the face. Literally. Or was it, was it the Broncos? 
No, who did he uh, hit in the, the head? Rams? The Broncos game was the Jaw Taylor, like, yeah. pushing the guy into the thing. Yeah. I want to say the hitting in the head might have been, was that a Dolphins punt returner? I know it was later in the season. I will say, as Everett O'Neill points out, there's a couple times where his punts were a little suspicious yes. and not super hot. Um, yes. But hopefully that gets ironed out. I don't yeah. know how you can fix that. There were definitely, yeah, there were definitely a couple uh, shanks that that did not work out. But for the most part, considering the punting that we had experienced in the last, you know, regime and last year with Ty Long, who is a great guy, no shade, but um, you know, it just is was a definite upgrade with uh, J.K. Scott. So again, two-year deal, potentially turning into a one-year deal, but. You know, I think like you're also pointing out, like, I don't think you can cycle through three kickers during the season without like a really nice quality special teams unit. And J.K. Scott's a big part of that, as is Josh Harris, who unfortunately is no longer the highest paid long snapper in the league. Somebody took his took his throne. Oh, I didn't know that. That's disappointing. Let's talk about that one. Who took it? (laughs) I can't remember who exactly was. I want to say what the Patriots gave him gave their long snapper like. Uh, you know, I, I can't remember exactly. I'm gonna pull it up now. Well, now I have to know because I know sure AP, the Patriots. Yeah, right? uh, Joe Cardona. Um, I don't yep, only have that's the APY on here, not his. Oh, he's he's the third highest paid long snapper now. The, the Browns gave their guy a bigger contract too. I had this weird thought in the middle of the day yesterday, like you know, I think Josh Harris is one of the most underrated players in the league. <laughs> because I, I mean he is he I kind he of is. sort of is like okay well he was a pro bowler but last year I mean you know very stabilizing force and a you know really pers- good person to have on the show uh, I still love the story that one of his first games or if not his first game where he totally screwed up was an, a botched snap against the Chargers in San Diego um, love that story that's right there's an interview yeah. somewhere on our channel yeah absolutely it was a great interview um so joe cardona got 2.6 million dollars guaranteed from the patriots his average contract per year is 1.57 um charlie hewlett huglet i don't know how to say that um he's at 1.428 so he's he's just above josh harris so josh harris is is now the third highest paid long snapper in the league deserves a raise to be honest (laughs) hold out incoming (laughs) All right, Tyler. Any other thoughts here about uh, Donald Parham or J.K. Scott? Uh, nope. Happy they're back. All right. Sounds good. So uh, pivoting to some potential signings here. Um, early in the week, Jeremy Fowler reported that uh, the Chargers were going to be interested in John Johnson, the safety from the Browns, formerly uh, green dot holder, play caller for the Los Angeles Rams when Brandon Staley was there in 2020. Um, you know, he is, uh, currently a free agent, the Browns electing to do a post June one cut for him. Um, that does not hit affect any team's ability to negotiate with him. He can sign essentially wherever the Browns just have to do that, uh, to be able to save some money. So John Johnson is a free agent. He's been liking a bunch of tweets related to the chargers, uh, Sebastian Joseph day. Uh, tagging him in a tweet there was a a, a photoshop or, or jersey swap i guess graphic made that he liked as well so 
Um, you know, there's there's a good amount of uh, buzz between the Chargers and John Johnson. Tyler, what are your thoughts here in, in terms of that potential signing? At this point, it now kind of just feels like the worst kept secret in, in yeah. a way. Not that I mean, listen, Melvin Gordon was retweeting Chargers highlights and things from San Diego from twenty. That was a little weird. That was a little weird. <laughs> I was like, okay, Melvin, what are we doing over here? Yeah, yeah. So. Guys hit like, I mean, I think Cordero Patterson hit like on the, going to the Chargers in like two years ago or whatever it he was. Did, yeah. And did. I definitely did not overreact to that at all. I definitely oh, we wanted him right so bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Um, so does, you know, does liking tweets really mean anything? No. But when you have Sebastian Joseph Day going out and saying, hey, let's literally hire this person and bring him into our team. And he's liking those posts. Oh, and oh, by the way, he played for Brandon Staley. I mean, Sebastian Joseph Day, I believe, was the first person on social media. Now, granted, it was different to do like the big eye emoji when Morgan Fox signed. Mm -hmm. um, again, another former teammate and, of course, interior defensive lineman. So it wouldn't kind of surprise me if Sebastian Joseph Day had a, a bit of an understanding of what's going on. Again, former Ram, a Staley guy. So I wouldn't be surprised. It really does feel like the worst kept secret. And with Nasir, by the way, Nasir Adderley, Good for you, man. Like if you felt yeah. like this was it and like you didn't have your heart in it anymore, didn't want to put your body through it, totally respect that. Wish, you know, him and his family the best. But there's an opening. And to me, the Chargers have just really now they could do upgrades, absolutely, but there's one more spot that they really do need a starter. Like the last need for them to me is this safety spot. It's I'm not banking on JT Woods being that guy. If it's a Lohi, I would sort of get it. But I don't know if I want to go into the season with just, you know, Alohi Gilman, JT Woods, Raheem Lane. Right. Um, again, if it ends up being a Lohi, because he he just he just survived the entire offseason last year and ended up being safety, you know, two and a half ended up being two. So I would get it. But you bring in John Johnson, you now are looking at the 21st pick being really whatever you want it to be. If yeah. Eckler leaves, then it's it, it does feel like it's a bit more Bijan Robinson if he's even there. Um, but otherwise, your highest graded player is the player you're taking. And not that they don't usually do best player available, but sometimes they do it while also having several glaring needs at other spots. In this case, you've got tackle, you know, you've got wide receiver, you have edge, you know, figure it out, quote quote. But you can still take another one, you can still take another edge player, you take another receiver, you can take a tight end, like everything's locked down. And I think you were talking about how you loved Brian Branch um, as a player. It sounds like, you know, that wouldn't be a bad idea. But if they have John Johnson locked down, you know, they they don't have to take a safety. They can go wherever they want. So I think just bring him in. I'm hoping it's an upgrade. Um, but to me, again, it feels like the worst kept secret. I feel like this is happening. Yeah, I do too. And I think it, it just checks so many boxes for what they need, for player fit, for relationships. I mean, this is essentially, you know, what the Chargers did with Morgan Fox, right? Like Morgan Fox goes to Carolina after getting a nice pay raise from uh, his days with the Rams, gets cut by the Panthers, and then the Chargers were happy to scoop him up. Granted, that was a post-draft signing. I don't think this would be a post-draft mm -hmm. signing. But, you know, John Johnson, I think, has a lot of value to provide a team like the Chargers. And, you know, he was somebody that we, in particular myself, pounded the table for in 2021 because he had that steady connection. He fit a need. At that time, obviously, we didn't really know what Alohi Gilman was going to be. We didn't, we still didn't know what Nasir Adderley is going to be. Um, and so at that time, I wanted, I really wanted John Johnson because I think he 
brings a different skill set in terms of physicality, in terms of athleticism, in terms of range. But you can do similar things with John Johnson that you can do with Derwin James. You can play him in the slot. You can play him deep. You can play him in the in the box. You can play him as a as a dime linebacker. You can play him as a blitzer. I think he gives you so much flexibility playing alongside Derwin James because, like, if we remember last week or last year, two years ago, excuse me, against the Cowboys, Derwin James was lining up like exclusively in the slot against C.D. Lamb. And that's how Brandon Staley felt like they had to play the Cowboys. But then the middle of the field really kind of suffered because that's not where Derwin James is. Well, now if you have John Johnson, you can put John Johnson in the slot. You can put John Johnson in the box and put Derwin in the slot. You can put Derwin deep, put John Johnson in the box and vice versa. And have a a really like legitimately good player back there to fill in the gaps that Derwin creates. Because I think... You know, Derwin does so much that it also kind of puts the other players in a bind a little bit because they're trying to have to overcompensate for that. But John Johnson can handle that kind of role because that's exactly what he did for Brandon Staley in 2020. So I'd be a huge fan of the signing in the safety market, like in a lot of the other markets, is not doing so great. I mean, uh, Jordan Poyer was a two-year, $10 million deal to re-sign with the Bills. Nick Scott just signed a $4 million deal per year to sign with the Bengals. Like he's not going to cost a lot. Like I think your um, the initial projection from PFF was one year, $5 million. And I think the Chargers should do that. I think that makes a ton of sense for them to be able to add that kind of player. And similar to Eric Hendricks, if you sign John Johnson, he would not count against the comp pick formula, which mm. granted doesn't really matter at this point. because <laughs> Drake was really the only external free agent that's left. And he really signed for a cheap deal. So, but regardless, I think it would be a sound process all around. I think he's a really good player that would help give the Chargers a lot of flexibility on defense. Yeah, so as long as I believe all the contracts that are new are baked in. I don't know if J.K. Scott's... Okay, so that's not in yet, but I'm not expecting... Is Parham's up? Um, I'm looking over the cap. I wish I could just filter by tight end. Donald Parham... I don't see him. I see Cameron Dicker, but that was probably an easy one. Yeah, Parham I know Donald Parms is not in OTC yet. Okay, he was he wasn't on there when I checked earlier this morning, so I wasn't yeah wasn't sure. So they are currently at sixteen million dollars in cap space. I'm going to assume with those two, it's fourteen or thirteen million. So yeah, yeah, John Johnson at that deal and a couple more veterans sign me up. Yeah, I think Daniel Popper's spreadsheet is estimating, like I said, a one point five million dollar cap hit for Donald Parham, and. We'll see what, exactly what happens. I think he has one point. Oh, Todd Miller says if you scroll to the bottom, he's there at zero dollars. <laughs> okay, so they're waiting on That's on the contract deal. deal. Yeah, they're waiting on the deal. Okay. Um. So yeah, I think the Chargers have really about like seven, eight million dollars in spending space. So if you sign John Johnson for five million dollars, four million dollars, that gives you you know an idea of what you can do. Um. Maybe you sign one other you know, veteran player, and then you kind of see where you're at after the draft like they did last year. So I think that makes sense. Um, really quickly about Nasir Adderley, I think this is, uh, you know, it takes a lot of courage to do this kind of thing. I mean, he could have easily kept playing through whatever he was playing through um, to earn some more money and, and, you know, change his family's life. And, you know, I think this is another story where we don't really know what these players are going through. And, you know, I think his hamstring injury as a rookie that Daniel Popper pointed this out, like, everybody was on him about his hamstring injury. And I think even Gus Bradley, like during the season said, like he needs to learn that you can't always be a hundred percent. 
um and then he tells the story that he like split his tendon right that, that his hamstring injury was just like extremely severe and, and nobody was really you know giving him that credit so you never really know what these players are going through there's obviously some other things that that he was potentially dealing with and i think you know if you're if your heart's not in it and you're not being able to prioritize your own self then yeah i think you take a step away and and figure your life out so i i commend nasir adderley for making that decision you know he's 25 he's got the rest of his life ahead of him if football was that much of a hindrance on his mental health and his physical health then definitely you don't want to have the kind of long-term effects that we've heard about in in more severe cases so yeah um Hat tip to to Nas. Wish him nothing but the best in whatever he does. He's got an electric personality, so I know if he wants to get into media, wants to do college mm-hmm. football reporting or something like that, I think he would crush it. Whatever he decides, I think he uh, will do very well, and I wish him nothing but the best. Yep, absolutely. And I think because he was benched, because you know from from Delaware, second round pick, didn't play that well last year he would have been the, the journeyman flip-flop between teams, you know, probably makes it, gets a very short prove-it deal, goes to the next team, gets that one-year deal. Like, if it's already weighing on your mental health and you're not in it right now, again, kudos to him for, for not just chasing the money there. He could go, you know, try to grab some millions here and there, and I would get it if he came back and tried to do that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, mental health is a priority, so good for him. Yeah, wish him wish him well going forward. All right, uh, last thing here, and then we'll get to get to some questions today. So if you guys have a question, I've we've been uh, having a pretty active chat today, so appreciate it. But um, any questions from here on out, we will be making sure we get answered. Um, and obviously, if you feel so inclined, the Super Chat feature is enabled. So um, last thing here that we wanted to talk about, there's a report from uh, Jordan Schultz that the Chargers were interested in tight end Dalton Schultz. So we got Schultz reporting on Schultz. Um, obviously uh-huh. there's the Kellen Moore connection here and Doug Nussmeyer, who was his former position coach when he was drafted. Um, so there is a lot of connections to Dalton Schultz. Uh, a lot of people think that this is still potentially going to happen. Like we talked about, the Chargers do have the money to sign one more kind of mid-level free agent. I personally would be surprised if it was Schultz, especially after bringing Parham back. And that, that's just my opinion. Um, you know, with their cap situation and with you probably having to cut Gerald Everett to make that make sense. Uh, I just don't really see it happening, but you know, never say never. And we've seen somebody with legitimate sources connect the two. So I don't know what your thoughts are about potentially signing Dalton Schultz, but there is uh, at least some buzz going on between the two parties there. Yeah. I guess you'd have to cut Gerald Everett. Although, eh, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think the contract really. Okay, so why would we cut? And I guess it's a, it's okay. It's a dollars thing. So I guess that's why. I was going to say, why would we I, cut him and not? But if we drafted a player in the first round, why would we not cut Everett then? But then that's a, that's a money thing. I think it's a money thing and it's a role thing because they do two different things. And I think they're two different players, right? But mm-hmm. If you sign Dalton Schultz to a market deal, which is is not great right now for the tight end mm-hmm. position, I know a lot of people pointed to Mike Gesicki and his deal. Mike Gesicki was terrible last year, first of all. <laughs> um, so he, let's get that out of the way. Um, I think you're not you're probably looking at paying him less than legit tight end one money at this point. 
-hmm. But let's say you do two years and $15 million. So you give him seven and a half million dollars per year. So you're paying him seven and a half million dollars. You're paying Gerald Everett six and a half this year, I think it is. Or is it closer to eight? I think it might be closer to eight. So that's just, that's a lot to pay to mid-level tight ends, in my opinion. And then also, like, if you're going to pay these both either of these guys around $8 million and they're competing with each other for targets, like, that just doesn't make sense to me from a financial standpoint to have that kind of commitment and have that kind of uh, target competition between the two. Yeah. I don't know. I'd like him on the team. That'd be fun. It would be um, fun. But also, if you draft a rookie... You can bring that guy along a little bit slower. You're mm-hmm. not paying him $8 million. You're paying him like a million and a half dollars or less. Mm-hmm. So I just, I think it makes more sense for them to draft a, a, a long-term tight end one as opposed to signing Dalton Schultz. Yeah, I, I would agree. I'm really curious what the deal ends up being. I, I really hope it's not like, oh, one year, again, like Gusecki got, it won't be that, but I hope it's not too low. I hope he didn't kind of like Drew Tranquil mismanage the market and get something low. Uh, I don't even know who's, looking for tight end at this point a lot of teams have nabbed tight ends here and there it sounds like foster moreau might go to the bengals so i don't really know what schultz's market looks like at this point but i don't know i guess we'll have to wait and see yeah i i still would be surprised but never say never i guess if his market is that bad and you know you can get him for one year one year five million dollars like sure sign me up at that point so do we think Um, that Kellen Moore really starts the year with no guys from the Cowboys or his history on the Chargers. Well, there is another guy that they could bring in. No, I well, <laughs> I mean, no, no. Uh, that other guy for if you can't catch the drift here would be Ezekiel Elliott, uh, recently released by the Cowboys. Again, similar thing post June one cut for uh, Ezekiel Elliott. That's a hard pass for me personally. Um, but the Chargers have, like we talked about, you know, not been able to find a reliable second running back to pair with Austin Eckler. I think they could address that situation with the veteran market. It has kind of dried up a little bit, but you know, like Damien Harris is still out there and Ezekiel Elliott is familiar with Kellen Moore. So I don't know. I, I don't I would be surprised, but I think we have to at least talk about it being a possibility because of the connections yep and now and i am one, about it 100 not advocating for signing Ezekiel yet i think <laughs> he is way past his prime yeah he's had like two thousand career touches but i would understand why Kellen moore would, would want to bring him in yeah Our rb2 not rb1 <laughs> please don't make me be rb1 that would be awful that would be truly awful um i don't know We'll see what happens, I guess. I don't think Zeke has been too much drama recently. I think Zeke has been fine. I think he's he's past that. Okay. All right. We'll take some questions now for about 20 minutes or so. Um, LD Bruin also pointing out Cedric Wilson might be a possibility. I think Cedric Wilson is still technically under contract in Miami. Um, but if he gets cut, sign me up. I wanted Cedric Wilson uh, last year. I thought he made a lot of sense for them as kind of a yards after catch target. So bless you, Tyler. Bless you again. Um, you know, we'll see if he does in fact get cut, but I think that would, that would make a lot of sense for sure. More sense than Ezekiel Elliott. That is for sure. <laughs> Good Lord. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, Todd Miller wants odds on Austin Eckler being a charger this year. Mm, you can do percentage chances. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, I feel like 60, 65% is, is probably the right, the right thing. Yeah. I, I feel like as more time goes and passes, I feel like this gets worked out because it's not an unreasonable thing for either side. So I, I do feel like because both sides would want to be with each other and because, Neither expectations are completely unreasonable. I think something could get worked out. Um, but as we've seen so far, the Chargers will not overpay unless you feel like they overpaid for Kendricks, which I don't think they did relative to the market. So, I mean, they're, if they don't, they've shown they're not going to budge. So maybe they concede a little bit um, because it is their guy in Austin Eckler and they do need him. And there's nobody else in the market that's going to replace him. Um, but yeah, they're definitely not overpaying. So I think 60%. Yeah, I would say 60, 65% as well. I think that uh, feels about right. <clears throat> uh, we got a Colorado question in here about Deion Sanders. All right. Uh, what is the, that? I missed it. What's the question? Uh, Bear Nips wants to know if we think Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, will take Colorado to the Pac 12 championship. Who's uh, left? What do you mean? In the Pac-12, everybody still is in the Pac-12 next year. Oh, USC, UCLA have one more year. Uh, but the answer to this question is no. I would be utterly shocked if Colorado were in the Pac-12 championship next year. Who's winning it, Stephen? I would say USC. Unfortunately, hmm. um, I think Caleb Williams is just way too freaking good. Um, but honestly, this is probably going to be like the best Pac-12 season we've ever had. Like this is, you know, there's a ton of quarterback talent coming back. Uh, they're also Oregon State has DJ Uyangalale. So there's a ton of talent in the Pac 12 this year. I mean, Utah's coming back with a lot of guys. Cam Rising decided to stick around. Brent Keithy did as well. UCLA is very talented. Oregon got Bo Nix to stick around. So I would lean towards it being USC or Oregon at this point in time. I think Colorado's best case scenario is probably seven wins. Like they they had a truly awful roster last year. And mm. uh it it takes a bit to to turn that kind of around. Like we're not talking about Lincoln Riley to USC, where USC was already stacked with talent. Like this is this is different. This is going to be a longer climb for Deion Sanders than people think. Hmm. I don't know anything about college football. I just I just <laughs> from January to April I watch it, and that's about it. Yeah, you watch the tape, not the not the actual <laughs> games. Yeah, that's why I can't pronounce the names. <laughs> 
we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, Solo Man wants to know if we would trade a fifth round pick for Brandon Cooks, who is like always on the trade market. I feel like yeah, him and Andre Dillard to the Chargers for like seventeen years <laughs> now. What is his? Yeah. Oh, I don't even know what his cap hit is. I think Brandon. he's on the last year of his contract. It is. I'm sure the chat already knows and is beating me to it. Sorry. Um, uh, it's a 26 million dollar cap hit this year. Oh shit! <laughs> so I'm gonna say no. <laughs> you'd honestly, you'd have to if that's the case. In order to get Brandon Cooks on the Chargers, you'd have to convince the Texans to take on basically that whole contract, which means you have to trade a higher draft pick. So like. You're probably talking about like for the Chargers, you probably have to trade like a second round pick to get that done. Mm. Yeah, give him a third. We don't use those. So <laughs> who needs a who needs another project? Just go trade yeah. for Brandon Cooks. Of course. Uh draft question here from Tyler Thompson. He wants to know if we think Jalen Carter falls out of the top 10. Um, supposedly there's a lot of buzz that at least the top eight teams are now scared off of Jalen Carter. Um, obviously the legal situation definitely needs to be resolved until that happens. But then he also showed up reportedly like 10 pounds overweight to the pro day and did not look super uh, conditioned. So I think if the Eagles stick at 10 and Jalen Carter's on the board, I think the Eagles would absolutely take that. I hate that they would totally do that too. Because they have two first round picks. They would have nothing to lose. They can go get another first round talent later in the draft. This is essentially like a bonus pick for them. You get him in that culture with Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and all these guys. You reunite him with obviously Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean. That's the perfect situation for him. Who did they just add to? Uh who did we say it was gonna be filthy? We had the same tweet at the same time that it was gonna be filthy if they added this player. Was that a different team? No, the the 49ers added Javon Hargrave. I think that was the tweet. No, it was the Seahawks we were talking about. Oh, the Seahawks getting Will Anderson. Yeah. Wrong birds. Yeah. Sorry, Alex. That's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I would I would be shocked if he is on the board for the Eagles and they did not take him. So I guess that's number 10, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't really know what good bag drills and such looked like because coach ed posts this stuff all the time and these guys are hitting the he's always like yo my god look at these guys hitting the bags and doing <laughs> these things and to me it's like i don't really know what looks good um but i know what looks bad now i was I'll gonna say, say yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was i'm like oh okay so that's what not to look like i felt really bad and even coach ed was like dude who who trained him for this stuff like yeah it didn't look good man and again i haven't watched him on tape so i don't, I don't really know um apparently he's really good i haven't watched him but Bag drills, eh. but as people said, there's there's a lot more going on right now. Yeah, the the tape is is freakish. Like it is so good, and I remember watching the Georgia tape last year, and it was always like the only guy I could really watch was Jalen Carter. Just he was a freak, man. Um, so there's there's a lot of things to unpack here, and you know he's gonna have some official visits, top fifty visits to these teams. And he's going to have to clear up a lot of things. And, um, you know, Ben Solek wrote a great article. I think it was Ben Solek. It might have been Steven Ruiz. One of the ringer guys wrote a great article about, like, character and off-field concerns and, like, really, like, how do teams really evaluate all of this stuff? So 
you know, a lot of people think that it doesn't matter, but when you're spending a top 10 pick on somebody and you're talking about like the best player in the draft, potentially that does matter. Like if you're trying to compare him and Will Anderson, who you might have like similar grades on like that character off field stuff does matter. So, you know, there's, there's a ton of layers here for Jalen Carter and he's going to have to be able to figure out how to, you know, wade through this kind of era, this time, if you will, for, for him to be able to maximize his draft uh, draft potential. I guess the one question I, d- I do want to ask is if let's say he falls to 21, there's no way the Chargers are doing this, especially if he falls to 21 because then people know a lot more about this yeah. situation. No, if he falls to 21, that means that there's like some serious like legal concerns about his future. Mm-hmm. So I know he like posted bail and I know he's, there's a chance that he does go to jail. I think this does end up being like a, a pretty hefty fine that he has to pay, maybe some mm-hmm. like probation and, and community service, but um, we'll see what ultimately happens. But I mean, we've, we've been over this with the chargers, right? Like you pointed out with the Kareem hunt thing that people wanted the chargers to sign Kareem hunt. Like there's just, there's no way that the chargers are going to draft somebody who has this kind of character concerns. So, I mean, they drafted a guy with a master's degree in cybersecurity last year. And their quarterback is a 4.0 biology major. Like they have a very specific type at this point in time. Um, you know, Alex Kasson pointing out that Nolan Smith was a math major, uh, have a 4.0 student. So that checks that box. But how many nerds can we assemble <laughs> on this team, man? Like, forget it. Like when the Oculus goes down next time, I want all those guys up there just like hanging from ropes and like on the high wire, just like fixing the Oculus and then just like go down and play some football. Dang, they're making nerds like man. Henry Cavill's assembling computers now. Yeah, like, all these athletes are are doing great stuff. All these good looking people are are doing nerd stuff now. Yeah, uh, save some for the rest of us, man. Come on. I know you can't be a freak athlete and a massive nerd. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> exactly. Football players are supposed to be dumb. What are we doing here? Um, but yeah, I just there's no way the Chargers take Jalen Card if he's there. I would take that chance. Like, I think that's at that point, it's like, what the hell? Why not? You know, mm-hmm. but I think the Chargers clearly have a type of character they're looking for in draft picks. You want me to stir the pot a little bit? People in the chat and things of the world. Um, I was kind of talking about Drew being disrespected by Chargers fans and whatnot. Um, not that some of this isn't earned. Like you sign with the Chiefs, you sign with the Chiefs. But there's a lot of vitriol and from Chargers fans unnecessarily so so i was talking with someone who would know one drew tranquil and they said the chargers never offered him wow okay so uh, i wish the agent i want to talk to this agent i want to talk to this agent i would love to confirm this and get this out into the world um i trust this person implicitly but i i mean i don't know for sure interesting so if I, I'm pretty sure I know who this person would be, and that's definitely a different person than I was talking to, you know, before uh, the combine situation. So, uh, man, that would let me go ahead and like work through this. But yeah, if, you know, live TV, I guess. But um, yeah, I would, I would love to. I would love to learn more about that, and particularly in the court of public opinion, Drew's being dragged right now, and so I'd be curious what happened no there's definitely a lot of behind the scenes things going on here and listen like that honestly it's 
would be very disrespectful, but it wouldn't shock me. Like, I think the Chargers do this kind of thing a lot where they have these young players and they don't feel like they're necessary because they can go out and find either a cheaper option or a veteran option. Like, man, that, that would be really, that'd be really unfortunate. Yeah, I don't know. Don't take it to the bank, anyone. Um, I tend to not like one thing just to be like, oh, yep, that's factual and that's it. But, yeah. Um, interesting. So stirring the pot, I guess. Yeah, I mean, re- regardless, right? Like, I think people take things too personally. Like, Drew ultimately would have made this decision to do what's best for him and his family. And like I saw teams where people were getting mad at the Chargers for like, posting his message that he wrote thanking the chargers and thanking Jeez, the, the yeah. fans and they were like oh like the social media team's acting like drew's the best player ever it's like no no no, no. like that message is from drew like drew wrote that message to us and to the team and and frankly probably to the social team like i think there's a human element here to this free agency stuff that people really miss and it's like also read the tweet read the post and you would have figured out that this is from drew tranquil yeah, no, it's, and people are like, oh, Megan sucks. And it's like, Megan just posted what Drew wrote. Megan being the social media coordinator, head of social media for the Chargers. Head of social media, yeah. Guess I should know that. Yeah, unfortunate. You know, I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm pro player, and I think players should do whatever is best for them, whether that's retiring at 25, signing with the Chiefs, you know, go into the CFL, like whatever. This is at the end of the day, it's a business. And all of us who are professionals, like we do what's best for us. You know, like we take job offers that are best for us. We go into master's programs that are best for us. Like at the end of the day, it's the same thing for these players. Like I think once you get to the NFL, do whatever is best for you, whatever you think maximizes your potential as a player, as a person, go out and do it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my, my brain is slightly over there now. So, <laughs> um, all right, we've got a few questions about Michael Hardman, um, Sam, and others. I think on here as well have asked about Michael Hardman. Uh, the receiver market has been another one of those markets that has not moved at all. I mean, it was initially reported that. Juju Smith-Schuster signed a three-year, $33 million deal. It ended up being three years, 25. Jacoby Myers, who was like the best receiver on the market, gets three for 33. Like, the receiver market is bad. And, you know, we'll see how that progresses. But I would not be opposed to Michael Hardman. I think he fits what the Chargers need, which is kind of a yak juice guy. And he could also serve as a returner. I'm nervous about his injuries, though, because he had two different injuries this year for the Chiefs. Um, he obviously came back and tried to play in the Super Bowl and then got hurt with a different injury. So until I know more about his injuries, I'm kind of out on Michael Hardman. I just don't think that this is not that I wouldn't be happy to have him on. It's just I don't think this is like this class really sets you up to go find I mean, I mean he was a second round pick as is. I'd rather just go find a player in the draft. Now that's under the assumption that the Chargers want to do exactly what we all want to do, which is, you know, we want them to find a speed receiver in the, on day two, maybe in round one. I don't know. It's me with the receivers. I don't see them outside of kick returner, punt returner, like and literally a kick returner, punt returner, not like a guy who can kind of do it 
um, but is also a wide receiver. I really just think they're going to the draft on this one. Yeah, I agree. Lots of Michael Hardman questions today, more than I initially thought. So just well, look at the draft, guys. A lot of good guys in the draft. Yes, they're more unproven than Hardman, but I would love to get a guy like that for four years in the draft. Yeah, and you know, people saying in the, in here as well. You know, there's Marvin Mims, there's Tyler Scott. Like there are options. Like if you want some some juice in the draft, whether that's a speed threat, yards after catch threat. You know, I think the value of this draft on day two and day three would function really, really well for the Chargers. You know, you could take a shot on Andre Yoshibas from Princeton if you wanted to. He's a more of a track speed guy, but, you know, I, I, there's a lot of options here for the Chargers to get spe some speed specialists, which is really what they need. Um, our first super chat of the day from Dark Boson369. He wants to know how confident are you in the starting five O line? Um, he followed up also asking about Jamari Sawyer playing left guard. So Tyler, um, how confident are you in this uh, offensive line unit the Chargers have assembled with the uh, re-signing of Trey Pipkins? I'm stoked. I mean, again, if you saw us when Zion, well, you probably did see us when Zion got drafted, we were very excited. Uh, if you had seen us when Jamari Sawyer got drafted, uh, we were kind of dead <laughs> for a bit there with some of these picks. But man, when Sawyer got drafted, Stephen and I were just like, we're sitting yeah. in our, my aunt and uncle's house. We were stoked. Um, so love Sawyer. Had him on the show. Zion had him on the show. Rashawn Slater, all pro kind of guy. Court Lindsay, all pro kind of guy. And Trey Pipkins, the the guy I never would have believed would have been him until he did. And he did. And he was great. And he got paid. I feel fantastic about this offensive line. I have zero reservations about it. Yes, you haven't seen Sawyer play left guard. But I've seen him play left tackle. And that wasn't too bad. And that was without was zero preparation. You know, yeah. the second week he was facing Miles Garrett. So I I think he's best suited at left guard. I think if this is their starting five, and it should be, I don't see why not. I love it. And frankly, even if it's not, like even if Jamari Sawyer isn't elite, you're only paying him $900,000. Like, <laughs> this isn't, you know, not you always, of course, want the best offensive line, but relative to cost and yeah. even replaceability, you could just replace him the following year if needed. So even if they're... They're not like stuck with this group either stuck with some of them, but you know, like Sawyer, if things go South, you're still good. All good. Yeah. I mean, he, the left guard is where he was playing. Like there's been a lot of chatter about like switching Zion back to the left side where he played in college um, and, you know, putting Jamari Sawyer at right guard. Like Jamari Sawyer was playing exclusively at left guard at some point in training camp and during the preseason, like, mm -hmm. you know, whenever they were kind of rotating the starters in, if Zion Johnson was coming out, they put Brendan Hymas in at right guard and Jamari Sawyer at left guard. You know, so this is, uh, is there some news, Tyler? No, I'm just, oh. well, I'm, I'm, keep, I'm talking. Okay. <laughs> I'm listening. Um, yeah, so they were specifically planning for this kind of situation. And I think, again, continuity, like we talked about on Wednesday, is so important for offensive line play. I think it would be a mistake to switch zion sides to left guard i know he played left guard for the most part but switch him back to the left side and then you're switching jamari positions and sides at the same time too and then you know everybody has to develop this chemistry all over again so mm -hmm. i think this the five is set you have pipkins sawyer lindsley <clears throat> um zion johnson and then trey pipkins and you feel really good about that unit and trey pipkins has improved a ton jamari sawyer will be very very good Zion Johnson should take another step forward as well. 
So Rashawn Slater coming back. I mean, that's like the most underrated aspect of the 2023 offseason so far is that nobody's really talking about it. the Chargers getting an all pro left tackle back on the field and what that's going to be able to do for everybody. Like you want to talk about an ideal situation for Jamari Sawyer. You're playing next to an all pro left tackle. You're playing next Oof. to an all pro center. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that goes for Zion too. I'm mean, obviously Trey Pippen's not an all pro right tackle. But this this unit is going to be very, very good. And like I said, the ceiling here for the Chargers offensive line, I think, is top five in the league. Like if they all stay healthy, you get some development from Zion and Jamari. It's going to be huge. It's going to be so much fun to watch this offensive line play. And um, the depth is, is a concern. They don't really have anybody right now. It's like Brendan Hymas and Foster Sorrell. <laughs> so they do need to go spend on some quality backups, in my opinion. You know, probably draft another guy on day three to, to mm -hmm. be a swing player somewhere else. But um, in terms of the starting five, I think Chargers fans should be very, very happy about this unit. Yeah, and as Carlos Alvarado shouted out, give Staley props for building the trenches. If, not, if nothing else... They invested in the offensive line, uh, whether it's with finances, with draft picks, high draft picks. It's really what the Lynn era should have done. I get why, like uh, Derwin James, like I understand, like why you're drafting Derwin James. I understand why you draft Justin Herbert, you know, in the, in the sixth with the sixth pick, obviously. But like they should have continually invested both finances and high draft yeah. picks. Uh, they never did for a team that wanted to run the football. And with, <laughs> with Philip Rivers being 39 or whatever, but you know, hey, you do yeah. you, and clearly. They still went 12 and four uh, somehow. I don't know how they even pulled that off. Yeah. Um, but I guess it was a magical season. Yeah, no, there was a, you know, there was a lot of talk about like the scenario where Trey Pipkins leaves. And in my opinion, if that did happen, then you're talking about absolutely taking a right tackle at 21. And people were like complaining that there would be three years in a row of first round picks. I'm like, okay, but well, what's the alternative? The offensive line sucking? Like, that's that's what we're going to have? Like, that's what we're going to be talking about is, you know, Philip Rivers getting hung out to dry by shitty offensive line play? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think that's a spot-on point because Brandon Staley believes in offensive line play, and that wasn't the case previously. I mean, like, under Tom Telesco with the other coaches, it was, like, these dart throws. Like, Dan Feeney in the third round was like the most sure pick that they took along the offensive line before Rashawn Slater. Like it was so, so bad that process at offensive line. And, you know, now we have this unit and I think people should be excited about it. Mm -hmm. I think they'll draft another offensive lineman for depth purposes, maybe develop into a potential starter. So Brandon Staley, as long as he's around, is going to prioritize the offensive line. And I think that is the right approach. Yeah. Two offensive linemen in the last two drafts or four, but two each of the last two drafts. Yeah. Uh, probably won't be two this time, but at least one for sure. One day three guy. <laughs> yeah, as Alex points out, five fast receivers and Sam Tevy and Trent Scott at tackle spots is Chargers Twitter's dream. <laughs> yeah, opening week against the Colts, Phillip Rivers with yeah Sam Tevy, Trent Scott. I'm assuming Keenan was healthy. Yeah, Mike is healthy, but Travis Benjamin was Tyra Williams still around on that team? I don't think so. I think he's with the Raiders by that point. But yeah, um, that that offensive line in 2019, man, and 2020 was way worse. It was bad. Yeah, was that the pulmonary embolism or no pulmonary embolism? Is that that was when Okung was out. Yep. Because <laughs> then in 2020 they traded him for a Trey Turner. <laughs> Straight up, which was day. is still such a weird trade for me. But yeah, and nobody won. Yeah. <laughs> nobody won. Both teams lost. Even Bitcoin plummeted, like everything lost. <laughs> That's right. I forgot that was the Bitcoin era. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, man, I, I think uh, the way that Brandon Staley believes in protecting Justin Herbert should be commended. And I mm-hmm. think it's, it honestly is one of the things that is, is keeping him around. I think like he really prioritizes the trenches. And I think, you know, I, I said this a few weeks ago, I, the first pick I think is going to be a trench pick or trench pick adjacent with a tight end. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the second pick probably would be too. Cool with me. Let's be yep. the Eagles. Yeah. Literally. All right, Tyler. Uh, that sounds like a good place to uh, end the show today. So appreciate all of you guys tuning in this morning, bright and early. Appreciate the great questions. Um, lots of great stuff to cover today, obviously, with free agency. Uh, tomorrow we're gonna have a we are going to have a live normal episode. We're gonna be talking about a lot of draft emphasis, how this might change the drafts. We'll also talk about some potential free agency targets that the that could make sense for this team in the next week uh, as they've been kind of active in the past. So I know there were a lot of draft questions today. We purposely did not answer them because we are going to talk about a lot of that on tomorrow's show. And then obviously after tomorrow, it's really full steam ahead to the draft. I think there's like 60 days or I think there's like 40 days until the draft or something like that. Like it's, it's uh, coming quick. So very excited about all of that. going to do some, uh, great interviews in the next couple of weeks with some draft analysts. Analysts, so hopefully you guys uh, stay tuned for those ones. And uh, yeah, this is the best time of the year in my opinion for agency March Madness draft. It's, it's a great time to be a sports fan. So appreciate everybody tuning in today. That's going to do it for us, and we'll see you uh, tomorrow afternoon.